So, hello. As Michelle said, I am Christina Rogers, and I'm a senior studying history and English literature, and I'm about to graduate. <laughs> so, I love puppies, piglets, and memes. <laughs> the older I get, the more I appreciate pizza. I know that laughter and living room dance parties with my roommates are two of the best forms of medicine. I'm also a proud member of the Burnham Wood Two Ladies Corps, otherwise known as the B-Dub Wolf Pack. <laughs> it is an honor and a delight to be here with you all tonight. All quarter, we have been having a conversation of what it means to hear God and how we can do that. So I don't know about you, but each Friday night, I've been taking notes because it's been so good. Learning about uh, God and how to hear him is great, and doing it in community just makes it even better. In core, you may have been doing an inductive Bible study on a particular letter in the New Testament. So my core just studied James together, and I've read it a couple times before, but this time it felt new and rich as we discussed how themes that he addresses are in our culture today, such as judgment and partiality, control of the tongue, who has a problem with control of the tongue? <laughs> I think everyone needs to raise their hand for that one. <laughs> and backing up our faith with actions. So people, or especially like close friends and core gals, would say that I'm a big cheerleader when it comes to the Bible. Aside from being God's holy truth and all, I love that within its pages are history, parables of wisdom, poetry, prophecy, and so many parallels that bridge the Old Testament and the New Testament together. So tonight, I have been asked to share with you how God has spoken to me through his word. In order to do this, I will first be sharing with you some of my story and testimony. Second, I'll be sharing with you some of my favorite Bible verses, which I like to call life anchors, which have grounded me through various seasons. And third, I'm going to share four things with you that I have learned about Scripture. The words of the Bible are so rich, you guys, and I'm so thankful that God let us have it. So, the title of this message is simple. Word up! Now, I'm going to take a few minutes to tell you my story. As a child, I was familiar with God's Word. I grew up in a Christian home, and I went to church all my life. I competed in a thing that a lot of Assemblies of God churches have called Junior Bible Quiz. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's where you memorize a lot of Bible trivia and verses, and then you compete against other kids your age like with buzzers, and it's really intense, and there was a lot of crying and drama and... Uh, but it was fun, and I learned a lot. When my sister and I would fight as kids, my dad recommended that I go read my Bible and pray so that I could repent and forgive. <laughs> he was right, as fathers sometimes are. <laughs> I distinctly remember one instance of this where I was so annoyed that I climbed up onto my bunk bed, put my leopard blanket over my head, and shrouded myself and read the Bible in darkness, which was ironic. <laughs> Interestingly enough, though, by the time I had finished reading, I felt a lot better and less salty, too. <laughs> the blanket came off, and I went back to whatever I was doing with my sister. 
God's words gave me peace, even when I wasn't expecting it. Eventually, my time in the Word became a daily routine, probably beginning in middle school. I read a chapter a night because I thought the ending of the day with, the, with God was a good way to go. But I also noticed that when I skipped, I had a hard time falling asleep. Once in youth group, when I was getting prayed for, a leader told me that God really enjoyed our special times together. So that encouraged me to keep going. Typical for most teens, my years as a middle school student overall were super like awkward and torturous, and high school wasn't much better. But, you know, fortunately, God blessed me with some really good friends along the way. But although my family was committed to church, I struggled and mostly failed to find community and connect with people my own age. I think that through those years, God was building a special dependence in me to lean on him for everything. That came from my quiet times with him each night, praying and spending time reading his word. My college years were full of beautiful newness because I found CCF, or it found me, and I think a lot of us can relate to that. I got plugged into community that I had always craved. The spiritual isolation melted, and it felt so good. In fact, this even strengthened my own personal relationship with God, because before I had been committed to him, and I had a heart for his word, but being involved in a Christian community added to the depth of our relationship and widened it because we got to bring in more family. To top it all off, I began developing skills to dig and reap more from Scripture. So God wanted more for me all along, and I know he wants more for everyone in this room tonight. So some of you may be able to relate to my story, and others maybe not. But if this isn't your experience, that is okay. You can start to experience the richness of being in God's presence, which comes with reading his word tonight. So as I break down the significance of hearing God through scripture in my life, I thought it'd be fun to share with you a couple verses that have served as life anchors. These particular verses have given me wisdom, vision, and peace. I remember them in times of trouble or stress. I have friends in the audience, who are actually right up front, who have agreed to stand up and read these to us when I call on them. So, and they know about this. <laughs> they didn't the other day when I was practicing with them. But <laughs> So go ahead and write these references down so you can add them to your tool belt later. And write, just take notes. I love taking notes. I encourage you to do the same. Because um, there's going to be a lot of scripture sharing tonight. Also, think about a favorite verse of yours that you've had and why it's significant. So Angela, can you please read Life Anchor number one? Thank you. So Isaiah 55, verse 12 through 13. The first time I came across this verse was in middle school. The poetry and imagery of it was so vivid to me. I love going on nature walks and hikes throughout the Pacific Northwest, and so this vision of nature cheering me on is pretty cool. Plus, you know, I'm a busy college student, and so if I'm walking through the Arboretum to class, it's nice to think that a tree branch that is waving is really God being like, yo, you can do this. <laughs> it embodies peace and confidence in God's faithfulness, which I constantly need to be reminded of. So Sarah Hall, 
Can you please read Life Anchor number two? Thank you. So Romans 8, 28. This verse has come up a lot in my life. I remember receiving a bookmark from a stranger that had this verse handwritten on it a few years ago. And then a bit later, when I was support raising for my first SSI trip to Dallas, Texas, <laughs> a family friend sent me a card with this verse and some extra cash for gas money on top of trip funds. So when I see this verse, I'm reminded that God is my provider when I obey and follow him. So with those thoughts in mind, let's go into more depth on the things I have learned by reading God's scripture. So, lesson number one. I'm going to be a teacher someday, so there's some lessons for you. (laughs) God's word is alive and active. I'll say that again. God's word is alive and active. The verses my friends just read for us are verses of wisdom, encouragement, and testaments of God's good character, which give me peace. As a full-time college student with several commitments, I tend to feel overwhelmed, anxious, and tired. Does anyone else feel that way? Yeah, okay, okay, good. God's word helps me to relax and press on because his word tells me that he is with me and that he will never leave me. The impact that the word has had on me And quite frankly, so many souls over time is pretty solid proof in my book (laughs) that scripture, (laughs) that scripture is alive with God's truth. So if you need proof, there's a verse in the Bible for that. Hebrews 4 verse 12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and it is is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So that was Hebrews 4, verse 12. That's some strong language. There's so much power there. There it says it, though, straight from the word. The word of God is living and powerful. That's my first lesson for you. (laughs) But before we continue, though, I'd like to be clear. This book is not God. Within this book contains God's relationship with mankind. There are promises, declarations, and of course, a whole lot of red ink that speak truth, hope, wisdom, and life everlasting. And that red ink is referring to the words of Jesus, just in case you were wondering. (laughs) So... Since my first lesson is that the word of God is living and active, we can move on to my next lesson from hearing God in scripture. Lesson number ooh. <laughs> lesson number two. The second thing I've learned is that scripture is a weapon of truth against spiritual warfare. What? She's going there? Oh, I'm going there. Because God's word is alive and active, we can wield it in our prayers when communicating with God. Scripture is a weapon of truth against the powers and lies of darkness. Spiritual warfare is real, and God does not call us to be passive or weak when the devil tries to attack us. Instead, God, in his goodness and love for us, equips us for battle We acquire these skills and tools by spending time with him and learning his truth. 
God's truth has been shared with us. We already have it. Ephesians 6 describes the armor of God, and I'm not going to be reading the whole passage for you tonight because it's a bit longer, but I encourage you to take your own time to read it because it's so good. Verse 17 of that section says to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. In other words, Ephesians 6.17 says that scripture is like a sword slain with the power of truth. Some spiritual battles college students may be facing are feelings of insufficiency or self-loathing, a struggle with your thoughts, or feeling like you are in an inescapable pit of anxiety and fear. Maybe your spiritual battle is a broken friendship, a family situation, or idolizing money, or even the desire for a romantic partner. God wants us to give these things up to him fully. But sometimes we just don't know how to let go or where to start. Well, allow me to suggest utilizing scripture. It's here for a reason. Wield the spirit, wield that sword, speak the truth that God has already provided us, and show the devil that he has no chance. Get your head in the game and be bold. <laughs> so another life anchor for me is Deuteronomy 33, verse 27. And it says three beautiful things. But first I'll read it to you. So Deuteronomy 33:27. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy from before you and will say, destroy. First, this verse shows that God is our protector and resting place. Second, God will expose the lies and tricks that are attacking our thoughts and lives. Third, God equips us and includes us. He lets us take a hit at that accuser. Isn't that awesome? Declare this when you are praying against spiritual attacks. God has the power to squash the devil by himself, but he enables us with the word to do it with him, to speak light and drive out that darkness. We are not passive. We are fierce warriors. So I have a question. Who has seen The Princess Bride? All right, nice. And if you haven't seen it, that's okay. You can still get something from this next bit. <laughs> I love that movie. One of my favorite scenes is towards the end when Inigo Montoya finally has the duel of a lifetime with the six-fingered man who killed his father before his own eyes as a child. Inigo trained his whole life in fencing to avenge his father. And in this scene, he is badly wounded, bloody, and tired, almost dead as he slumped against a wall facing his enemy. But the more he looks straight into the eyes of the six-fingered man, a change takes place. He continuously says to his adversary, Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. (laughs) 
And each time he says this, he gains more confidence and strength. I see a spiritual connection here. Yeah, I'm bringing Hollywood into this too. (laughs) What if we approach the devil in this way? As our adversary belittles us and our God, laughs at our hurts, and dares us to give up, why don't we insert our own names and declarations in that statement? Well, here's an example. And I'm not going to do it in a Spanish accent because that's not how I speak. (laughs) But you can if you want. Hello, my name is Christina Joy Rogers, daughter of the creator of the universe. You try to take away my joy, prepare to be destroyed. You can insert your own thing in there. There are so many other great verses to declare in these situations. So, here's some fun homework. Take the time to find those life anchors those declarations, those promises, and memorize them so you can add them to your tool belts for when the devil strikes, you'll be ready. Equip yourself by spending time in his presence. So the third thing I have learned from scripture is that it is useful for declaring God's promises in our lives. And this is kind of similar to lesson number two, But it's more of a focus on me convincing myself that God is going to come through because he's already said so in his word. Declaring God's promises not only shows me and the devil what's up, but also shows God that I've done my homework and that I'm coming to him with expectation and joy in the promises he has already given and wants to continue to reveal to me. Think of that example I shared of our friend Inigo. Have you ever experienced that the more you say something, the more you believe it? Sometimes. When I've been praying for something for a long time, I begin to get discouraged. And so I recite verses to remind myself that God is with me and for me, such as the verses that my friend shared earlier. God likes hearing his words in the right context, of course. These words, after all, are God-breathed. Remember what Shannon shared a couple weeks ago from Matthew 4 about Satan trying to one-up Jesus with scripture in the desert? He was using it out of context. And Jesus was basically saying, no, 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 Satan, not today. (laughs) He didn't actually say that in my translation, but, you know, it's like a contemporary way of saying it. (laughs) A cool thing about understanding God's promises in scripture is that his promises always back up his character. Which brings me to the fourth thing I have learned by reading scripture. So, lesson number four is that by spending time in the word, we also learn what Jesus' character and voice is. We learn Jesus' character and voice, which makes the word all the more rich, alive, and understandable for incorporating into our language. With commitment and discipline, we gain discernment, knowledge, wisdom, And a whole lot of peace. In John chapter 10, verses 30 and 32, Jesus tells a group of people who began to stone him, I and my Father are one. Many good works I have shown you from my Father. He said, I and my Father are one. So if you want to understand God's character and promises better, look to Jesus. We have four Gospels dedicated to his life. 
So familiarize yourself with his voice, which is full of peace and authority, love and strength. There's a story in the Gospels about Peter walking on water, which is in Matthew 14. So fast forward to the middle of the story. Jesus is walking on water in the middle of a storm and says to Peter, who is rocking in a boat, come. Peter got out of that boat and with the faith he had was able to walk on water as he looked Jesus in the eyes. He knew his voice and his character. He had faith for those few moments which kept him from sinking. He only began sinking when he saw the crazy wind around him. He let fear of his circumstances get the best of him. And I've totally been there. But you know what? Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and saved him. Because patience and grace are part of Jesus' character. And I love that. I've heard friends and peers say that they haven't heard God's voice. Or they haven't felt his presence or they haven't really seen the face of Jesus, and everything in their spiritual walk feels stagnant because of this. So let's be real. This process requires perseverance. You can be dedicated and passionate one day, but confused and dry feeling the next. We all go through desert seasons where we lose the motivation to show up to God because nothing seems to be happening or very bad things keep happening. I know what it's like. You're diligent, you've got a routine down, but you just find yourself sitting there, Bible open, and like you're just talking to a wall. Last summer, I felt like I was in a desert. I actually went into the summer knowing that it would be hard, and I think God was in on that awareness. Each day, I would read my Bible and have some quiet time with God, as I did for my routine, and I'd write in my journal and pray. But one day, I was reading a passage in the Bible that I had read before and had even related to in the past. But this time, I was sad and felt very distant. The passage was in Psalms 119, where David was gushing about how much he loved God's word. He loved it so much that he could just eat it up. I was sad and discouraged because I knew I had been like that too. Just ask my peer team leaders. I love coming to one-on-ones, telling them, oh, this is what I got out of the word this week. This is what grabbed me by the neck with love. Woo! And I wasn't feeling it. And it was so disheartening. I had a full-time retail job, which was draining and uh, not very refreshing. And at home, my family was dealing with some pretty big changes that made me feel sad and alone. I tried to go to church, but I usually worked on Sundays. And of course, there was no CCF, so I was dry of community. Despite my circumstances, though, I remembered the good times and what God had done for me before, and so I kept chugging along. I'm so glad I continued and brought my concerns to God. I actually felt better when I was at church, surrounded by community. And I began to feel like my old self when I returned to Bellingham for the annual Fall Corfa Conference. So fast forward a bit. In October, I came across a verse that seemed to grab me and pull me in. I was so relieved and excited because it summed up the season I had been going through at the time. And that is Psalms 27, verse 13 through 14. 
I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. That was Psalms 27, 13 through 14. Little did I know that that verse would continue to come in handy for me. In December, just before finals week, I found out some pretty heartbreaking news. My brother, who has autism, was too aggressive and dangerous to live with my parents at home. So he had to be moved to a facility that could serve his behavioral needs. This was right before finals, my birthday, and Christmas. It was not a very jolly time of the year. Even though my family knew it was coming, we had been praying for breakthrough, healing, or even provision of a better home for him. It was so hard for me, especially because I hated seeing my mom go through that, mourning over her son. I felt pretty betrayed, to be honest. I was pretty sad with God. I knew he hadn't left me, but relating to what Jeff talked about last week with emotions and reality, even though I knew in my head he was with me, it did not feel that way. And I was very confused about his promises and his character. I had been asking, but I was not receiving what I was asking for. On top of that, I was wrestling with a big decision I needed to make about my future after graduation and some other problems that I had a hard time letting go of. I was mad, and I knew what God wanted me to do. But I asked him something along the lines of, God, how can I make this decision and obey you when you seem to treat my desires and requests like garbage? I felt like I was wrestling, and it was exhausting. But he spoke to me that day, because God is good, and he was there. And he reminded me of those verses in Psalms 27. Did I believe that I would see his goodness in the land of the living? Did I believe that in his time and way, his promises would be fulfilled? I felt that he was telling me that even though I thought I let it go, I wasn't done yet. I needed to let go. And he asked me if I really trusted him. With some tears and a little saltiness and some pain, I mustered out a yes. And I felt that at that moment, the burden was lifting. And freedom was taking over. And hope was coming. The thing about this wrestling match, though, is that I thought God won. But the truth is, if God is on my side and I'm obedient... I'm a winner too, and that goes for everyone. And so, uh, I applied for the CCF internship. (laughs) That was an act of obedience that I think I understood because of my time with God in the Word and in community. Since then, I have felt a real peace about the things that worried me before. But sometimes... Saint likes to remind me of the past and give me a bogus picture of the future, to which I have been learning to slay back at him with, hello. (laughs) 
My name is Christina Joy Rogers. I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I tell that to myself, too. Return to your pit, Satan. So, I wish we had an organ in here, because I just, I hear one in my mind right now. (laughs) Keep seeking God. Keep showing up. Don't give up. Show darkness what you are made of, and give Satan a run for his money by standing firm and seeking support not only from the word, but from the church. I mean, we're all in this together, you guys. We're a family. We're here to support and love one another. Put on your armor and declare God's promises as truth, because they are active. Of course, as with any new routine or habit, or something that you're picking up again, these things can take time and patience, especially with yourself. It took me a long time to recognize my devotional time as a vital part of my day. For years, I read the Bible without really studying it. But I eventually gained the tools and understanding to go deeper. And I'm still learning, and I'm really excited about that. As a practical tip, I suggest that if you're going to make this Bible reading stuff a daily, that you do it when you're most alert. You know, I like to do it in the mornings, like before I go to class, Uh, even though that doesn't usually happen. But that's like my prime time because I'm not distracted. I'm fresh out of bed. It's good. And I also challenge you to do it before you go on social media. I know. Isn't it better to be in the Word for even just 15 minutes than be scrolling through that negative news feed? (laughs) Of course... Life is chaotic, and sometimes my priorities are a little whack, and so I make mistakes. But that's okay, because God has a whole lot of patience and grace for those mistakes, and he beckons us to keep going. Do you ever think about how blessed we are to not only have easy access to Bibles here in the United States, but that we can read them publicly and without shame? I was tickled to hear Hope's testimony a few weeks ago about the gospel challenge. She said that while she was reading, a guy came up to her that she didn't know, and he was like blown away that a person would read the Bible for fun on campus in public. I mean, how cool is that? What if more people did that? When I was in Texas for SSI... Our team was taking a break in the quad where a bunch of the UTD students lived. I was feeling a little discouraged about outreach that day for lack of spiritual conversations. So I decided to have a quiet time and read a psalm. I think I asked God to show me something or do something because I needed encouragement and assurance that I would see him do something. So I asked. As I was reading... A girl that I had never met before walked up to me, just out of nowhere. I was sitting on the grass, trying not to have an allergic reaction. (laughs) She asked me if I was reading the Bible, and I said, yeah, I am. 
She was so excited and said that she saw me all the way across the lawn from her balcony on the top level of her apartment building. (laughs) She just had to come see if I was reading the Bible in public. She too was a Christian and told me how encouraged she was to see me doing that. And I told her, oh my gosh, I was just praying that God would show me something. So thank you for being bold and coming and doing that. What a God moment. God did something in both of our lives that day between two girls that were part of his church but had never even met before. Fun fact, later I saw the following psalm, Psalm 30, in my translation was titled, The Blessedness of Answered Prayer. (laughs) You just never know who's watching, and you never know how quick God's going to answer that prayer. (laughs) I don't know your stories. I am not sure what your devotional life looks like. You may not be struggling in this area of your walk with the Lord. However, maybe you are, or maybe you're still exploring the possibility of having a relationship with him. No matter where you stand, we can all grow together. If you are wondering where you should begin, start with Jesus. We have four Gospels which share his life story and teachings, as I mentioned before, and as we talked about all last quarter if you're in CCF, because we did the Gospel Challenge. But if you've recently gone through his stories and you want to go somewhere else, I recommend camping in the Psalms personally, because I just love that they are vivid and vulnerable offerings of praise to our Creator. So worship team, you guys can start heading up now. I hope that you see that the word is good and full of life. I hope you experience how richly useful it is in your faith, daily walk with the Lord, and prayer life. Lastly, I hope that as you dig deeper into the contents of those pages, you know Jesus and hear his loving voice more and more. John 10, verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Seek and keep his truth, which is first found in Scripture. God has given us so much. Give him your time, your heart, and your mind. Come ready to receive and be refreshed by his truth, even if the truth is what I like to call that sweet conviction. It can sting a little, but it is so good to know that you are on the right track of obedience, trust, and hope. Watch and receive. Wait on the Lord. You'll cultivate fruit, wisdom, and a heart for the kingdom. Let those everlasting arms be your refuge and your guide. So, in the beginning of our time together... During worship, there was that open space for you to reflect and think about ways that you're thankful for the word. And maybe you've been doing that as I've been speaking. So now we would like to invite you to shout out those things by uh, using the statement, God, I'm thankful for your word because, and then finish that, and continue in praise to God. And so this is open for everyone. We'll be doing this for a bit, and then I will close this time in prayer before the worship team 
takes the floor. So the statement is, God, I'm thankful for your word because, and you can just shout it out. God, we are so thankful for your word and that you gave it to us. Thank you for the love and the truth that pours out of your scripture and that you call us to spend time with you in your presence. In your presence is fullness of joy. And God, I pray that you will just continue to like, that your spirit will beckon us to come to you with a deep desire and hunger for your word that we can grow as a community, grow as a church, go home to wherever we're going, um, like after Sikkim or this summer, and that we can, yeah, just use that passion and that curiosity to just go deeper in our relationships with you. Thank you that your word is living and active and useful, and that you include us in this journey with everyone here. We love you, and we're so thankful. In your name we pray, amen.